you know, if you're in a relationship and you love this person, like you do want to find a way through to work it out at first. Like jumping ship is kind of the last resort. Leaving the relationship is the last resort. All right, here it is, part two of the Setting Healthy and Loving Boundaries conversation with Kelsey Grant is finally here. We recorded part one in March. Uh, Now it is September. And we are now talking about setting appropriate boundary consequences. So what happens when you set a boundary and someone violates it? They don't respect your boundary. So how do you set a consequence? What are different options for consequences? The importance of honoring that consequences? What happens when there's no impact, right? No consequence, which means that people, your loved ones, don't take your boundaries seriously. So Kelsey and I go through it. We show you exactly how to do this by giving you examples, scripts, on what happens when your partner is consistently late for a date, what happens when they violate a relational agreement like cheating or withholding truth or following hot chicks on Instagram. We talk about the difference between ultimatums and boundary consequences. Kelsey is so good at this. I am super stoked for this episode. My name is Sean Galanos, and this is The Love Drive. All right, I'm ready when you are. All right, I'm ready. I've got my crystals. I have my water. I'm set. Okay, you've got. I've got no crystals, but I've got a small uh, gnome. He's my money gnome. Oh, amazing! He's made out of felted wool. Oh wow! Yeah, and he reminds me that uh, that I need to, you know, make money. <laughs> That's a good thing to remember sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Would you please introduce yourself? Yes. I am Kelsey Grant. I am a love and relationship educator based in Vancouver, BC. And my whole focus of my work is supporting people in learning to love themselves and other people better. Hmm. Yeah. Radical self-love? Radical self-love. That's my handle on Instagram. That's my handle on Facebook, even though I'm not really on there. What about TikTok? Oh, and TikTok. Yep. Good old TikTok. (laughs) I mean, I like to go on there purely for entertainment value. And then occasionally I'm like, maybe I should make a video. I'll make a video, but it's not really my top priority. I'm I'm on there for the entertainment and watching hilarious creators make really funny content. TikTok is weird because there's all these different sub TikToks. Oh, yes. Like yes. people are like, welcome to relationship TikTok. And then there's home improvement TikTok and, you know, police TikTok. It's really weird mm-hmm. how you can yep. find Gay yourself. Gay TikTok is my favorite. Yeah. I'm a, it's I've, my favorite. I found myself in alt-right TikTok, which is very scary. Oh, <laughs> 
That is like very different from gay TikTok. <laughs> yeah, it's, they don't blend. There's not a lot of overlap. Mm-mm. So Mm-mm. today we're not we're not here to talk about TikTok. No, we're not. We are here to do a part two of the episode on boundaries, how to set loving boundaries. And if you haven't heard that episode yet, listener, go back and listen to it. And this one will make more sense because today we're talking about boundary consequences. Mm-hmm. What happens when somebody doesn't honor your boundary? Like when you show the courage to say, hey, when you do this, I feel this, and I'd like to ask you to do this, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, can you give an example of a boundary and then we can go from there? Yeah, I mean, for me, like the working definition I use with boundaries is the loving information and it's the high quality information to help people love you better and for you to be able to love other people better. Mm. And so a boundary in this sense is not necessarily a wall being like, you can't do this anymore. I'm taking away your free will. It's more about yourself of when you call me at 11 o'clock at night when I've told you that I start my morning or my evening routine at nine and I like to be in bed and asleep by 11, that really doesn't work for me because then my sleep gets disrupted and you're just not going to get the best of me. So would you be open to calling me at, I don't know, 8.30 and we can have a little chit chat or maybe we can find a time during the day that really works. Or maybe we can hang out on the weekend and we can stay up all night long and talk all the time, all through the night. But during the week, I really need to be in bed asleep by 11 o'clock. And I'm not going to be able to answer your call anymore going forward if you continue to call me at 11 o'clock. Right. So that's the high quality information, right? The information yeah. is, uh, if you call me at 11, I'm not going to be able to answer. Totally. And, and I want to talk to you. Exactly. Right. right. Exactly. And I think that's a really important piece about boundaries that people miss is like the bridging relational piece of this is important to me. You are important to me. And that's why I'm telling you this. Not because I want to see less of you or you're not important to me or I'm making you wrong or you're bad. It's actually the opposite. I love you. I care about you. And I want you to get the best out of me. And I want to get the best out of you. And this is the super highway to get there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very important point because if you didn't care, you would just disengage. Exactly. I would cease to be in relationship with you. And whatever the relationship is, it could be a work relationship or a friend or a lover or whatever, a family member. If I didn't care, I wouldn't go through the trouble of giving you the high quality information that you need so that we can be in a more harmonious relationship together. Exactly. So when you call me at 11, it disrupts my sleep pattern. And I'm not available to talk Mm -hmm. at 11 o'clock. And I would love to stay in connection with you. So rather than just not talking, can we come up with something that works better for me? Totally. And hopefully earlier also works better for them. Yeah. And this is an opportunity for them to then share what works for for them as well. Like it's, I think we have to remember with boundaries and in a relationship, it's not just one person in that relationship. So it's a co-creation. 
And not to say you have to go back on your limit. And like if 11 o'clock is, <laughs> is not working for you, you don't have to override that in order to stay in the relationship. But we do have to account for the other person's needs, the other person's desires, the, what works for the other person and find a way to co-create a dynamic or an agreement that works for both people not just one. What if it's like, hey, babe, you know I get off of work at 10, the earliest I can call you is 11. Then I would say, hey, can <laughs> we find another way of maybe spending more quality time when we're not working? Or maybe just shoot me a little text after you're done work or a voice note when you're done work and we can voice note before I fall asleep. So sometimes the compromise is that we're not gonna really be able to meet in the middle. Yeah, sometimes. Right. If, if I work late and I can't call you before 11, then maybe talking at night isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that I don't want to be in relationship. It just means that we can't talk at night. That's not going to work for our relationship. Exactly. And maybe you can find something that's really playful and fun that does work. Like the person who's going to bed early, maybe they send their partner a really cute, funny meme and they're like, hey, I'm going to bed and it has like the little cartoon Z's and like they're falling asleep. And it's like this beautiful little like bonding dynamic that they have together. And they save the conversation for the daytime. Mm. And maybe they call each other on a break and they have a little chit chat then. Yeah. Or they just do longer dates on the weekend. Yeah, You know, there's there's so many ways to get creative with it. And I think that's maybe part of the problem with a lot of people is that they're not tapping into their creativity because maybe there's so much fear or unknown about setting boundaries. And we're like, ah, I don't want to get violated. So I have to be really harsh and rigid with this instead of allowing some playfulness and some creativity to flow into that mix as well. Yeah, one of the things that I say is, you know, you have three options when your partner won't meet your needs is one of them is get creative about what it looks like to meet your needs. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you got to think outside the box a little bit. Totally. So get creative about like, what is the need? What's the action underneath the need? Right? What is the action item that the person is doing to meet the need? And so in this example, you know, maybe the need is a need for connection. Right. Mm-hmm. And so what can what are other ways that your partner can show you that they are connected to you without a an, an evening phone call? Mm-hmm. And like you said, it could be a voice memo, it could be a video, it could be a meme, it could be a promise of a date, a longer date on the weekend, it could be all sorts of different things. For sure. Yeah. But we gotta get out of this whole rigidity around mm-hmm. this is the only way. Yeah. That you can meet my need. Mm-hmm. That feels a little too inflexible for me. Yeah. To me, it feels like very tyrant-like energy. And I mean, I have a bit of like an inner like rebellious part of me that like automatically would be like, don't tell me what to do. Yeah. And I wouldn't have that same desire to co-create if it was very rigid and like it only can be this way. I'd be like, all right well, okay, I guess I'm not going to be able to do that. And like, we've gone as far as we can go, maybe. And where as if there's like a little bit more space for creativity, then that really excites that part of me. And I love to come up with new ideas and play in that creative zone. And really, my partner's needs do matter to me. I think that's what people sometimes forget. 
(laughs) the majority of relationships, your partner does care about your needs and they do want to meet them to the best of their abilities. As long as we're providing them a pathway to do that, that is actually doable and honors their, you know, free expression. (laughs) You know, that's important. Yeah, your loved ones, for the most part, do want to love you in a way that makes sense for you. Yeah. They want to show up for you. Well, we're scared of asking because we don't want them to say no or to scare people away or Mm -hmm. to look needy or clingy. 100%. All right. So let's switch the example a little bit so that we can get something that's a little bit juicier than this. And you mentioned earlier that one of the things that was really sensitive for you is when someone was late for a date Mm -hmm. repeatedly. Mm-hmm. So can you tell me a little bit more about that? And then we'll kind of try to figure out um, how to talk about that and then how to set a consequence. Sure. So one of my values is integrity and obviously respect. And when someone is late for a date, I feel like <laughs> that integrity and that respect is not being honored. And it also just bugs me because I could be doing other things. <laughs> I get my my shit together so that I'm ready and available for the time that we agreed upon. And when the other person does not meet me in that, there's a part of me that feels that I can't count on them for bigger things. And so it's, it's a very important thing for me. And it's, you know, once or twice, no big deal. But if it's consistently happening, and the key here is that there isn't communication about being late. So there's no respect for my time. Right. And if someone communicates like, hey, I'm stuck in traffic or, you know, this meeting ran late today. Can we bump our date to an hour later? Yeah. Okay, we have a new agreement. I'm not mad about that. Yeah. It's when there is no communication (laughs) around that and they just like dawdle and they're... (laughs) not, you know, taking care to honor my time. Yep. There's a part of me that thinks like, well, if something bigger happened, would you be able to really care for my needs? Yep. And so that's kind of the context of where it comes from for me. And like I show up that way for my partner and I I want to be treated with that same level of dignity and respect. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I had a relationship where my ex-girlfriend, girlfriend at the time, was often late. And she would let me know, like, let's say we were supposed to meet at eight. She would let me know at eight that she was running. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she lived 30 minutes away. Right. And so to me, I was like, yo, you knew at least 30 minutes ago that you'd be late. Why wait till now? Like, I've been sitting on the couch. Like, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. I did my shit. I, like, planned accordingly. I stopped working at, you know, I worked backwards, did the math how long it would take me to get ready and like, what, what's up, you know, like what the fuck? And I, I didn't have the tools that I have now. This was almost 10 years ago. I I didn't know how to talk about, you know, how their behavior impacts me. And when you do this, I feel this and it affects my ability to, I didn't know any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to set consequences. And, And so I would just get super frustrated and riled up and I probably, you know, took it out on her in some weird way. And so that's, that's how I used to deal with it then. And interestingly, now I have uh, a girlfriend who likes to pack a lot of stuff into life. And so, uh, and she's also like not really good with time. Like time is just like, she just like doesn't know how it works, really. <laughs> it's very sweet. It's, mm-hmm. it's not malicious at all. It just, just really doesn't 
understand how it works and why it's so finite. And, and I've been able to really let go mm. of this idea that um, I really need people to show up for me at a specific time mm. and to just like give them a lot of space and softness around, around the time thing. But particularly because my girlfriend feels really bad about it. Like she knows that it's an issue and she feels really bad about it. So for me, I'm just like, yo, babe, it's all good. Like I'm doing shit. You know, I'm, I got other other things to do. Just show up when you're ready to show up. Mm-hmm. Um, and generally also when we have a like a date, like at a restaurant, she's pretty good at being there for that time. But if it's to come over, you know, she's like, hey, I said, you know, Ada, I actually don't know when I'm going to get there. I just go like, cool, whatever. Like, I'll be home. Just come over whenever it's okay. And that's good for me and it's good for her also. For her not to have that, she already has enough pressure. She pressures herself enough, feel bad enough on her own. She doesn't need me to do it. So anyways, I just want to throw those two points out there. That like, as I've gotten older and I've healed a lot of my stuff, some shit that used to bother me doesn't bother me anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a very real thing. Yeah, it is a real thing. And my current partner shows up in ways that my ex never did. So mm-hmm. I can't compare them, right? So of course, there is some softness mm-hmm. that can happen and you can grow. All right, anyways, side that was just a huge side note. I just wanted to brag <laughs> about my development. So oh, Well, this makes me love and appreciate your girlfriend, you know, in her sweetness. It just felt really feminine to me. Like when you were describing her, I'm like, ah, oh. <laughs> she's just in her feminine. Like yeah. that's what it felt like to me when you were describing her. Yeah, it's really beautiful actually to, for me to be able to let go of that, of that need for people to be, to show up on time. But, you know, if you're listening and we have a business appointment and you're fucking late, then all bets are off. I'm pissed. Okay, so don't everybody else in <laughs> don't my get life it twisted here. Yeah, everybody else in my <laughs> life do do not fuck with me on time. I will be on time, but my girlfriend, you know, it's a different story. But yeah, she's in her feminine. She she already feels bad enough. She doesn't need me beating her up for it either. Mm. So that said, different context. Someone is consistently late. Feels like they're not valuing your time. Doesn't let you know that they're going to be late. And it happens consistently, mm-hmm. right? So that upsets you. It does, yeah. So what does setting a boundary look like around that behavior? Let's say, let's say I'm, the, I'm the dude, I'm the fucked up. I'm not fucked up, I'm just inconsiderate. <laughs> I'm inconsiderate and I show up at late to our date. Let's, let's do the role play thing again. What would you say? We're having dinner. Okay. I would say, Sean... Having date time with you is so important to me. I love the time that we get to spend together and I really want to bring my best self to the mix here. And when you show up late consistently without letting me know, I notice that I start to feel a lot of anxiety. I notice that it starts to bubble up this feeling of rage and anger. And I start making up stories that disconnect me from you. And I don't really want to be doing that. And I want you to get the best of me on our date. And something that would really be helpful for me inside of that is if we pick a time that you know that you're going to be able to show up at, and I'll be ready for that time. Like, it doesn't matter to me what the time is. If you need an extra hour to get ready, that's cool. I appreciate that. Just let me know. 
so that we can adjust the expectations. And then I can just be in my feminine flow, getting ready for the date, getting excited and be able to, you know, trust that you're going to show up for me when you say that you're going to. Is that something that you can meet me in? Sure. I just don't really know what you're asking me to do. Like, you know, I'm asking you to be on time. (laughs) Oh, okay. I mean, you know, that like shit like happened at work and sure. You know, I couldn't help it. It was like not anything that I could have avoided. Okay. And I understand that those moments are going to happen. And when they do, I just really need you to be in communication. Let me know. Give me the heads up. Just send me a quick text. Let me know that you're going to be late. That's all it takes. And then I can, you know, relax, maybe put on an episode of my favorite show while I'm waiting for you to get here. It's not a big deal, but just not communicating with me and leaving me in the dark about it is not workable for me. I mean, is it? You just said it's not a big deal. Like, so I don't get why you're making this like a big deal. Well, I mean, it is a big deal in the sense of me feeling respected and loved and honored inside of, you know, being able to trust you and, you know, showing up and just keeping me in the loop of what's going on in your life. And it's not a big deal in the sense that, you know, I get that things happen that are outside of your scope of influence. Like you can't change, you know, something that happened at work that was outside of your control. I get that. That's what I understand. And what I'm asking is that you just send me a text because you you made a date with me at eight o'clock and then this is going to impact you showing up at eight o'clock. And if that doesn't work for you, that's okay. Like it doesn't have to work for you, but we're going to have to, you know, reevaluate, you know, how we, you know, create dates together. If you can't loop me into, you know, those moments, those, you know, times where you might be late and it's out of your control. Okay. I mean, I heard you say that you like, have like a hard time trusting me, but, Mm -hmm. and that's hard for me to hear, but what I'm hearing from you is to like, just let you know if I'm going to be late. Yeah. And to like set a time that is realistic for me to meet you at. Absolutely. I mean, the reason I say eight is because I want to see you and like, Mm. I'm super jazzed to see you, but then shit comes up and you know, then it ends up being nine. And I understand, like, I'm just as excited to see you too. And then I get disappointed when it's, you know, 8, 8, 8.30, before I get to see you. And so I'd rather stay in that positive anticipation and the excitement of getting to see you than, you know, us slipping into this weird space of being disconnected when we could easily just set an hour later and I will be just as delighted to see you at nine o'clock because I'll be able to trust that that's something that you can fulfill on. Well, I think that's something that I can definitely do. I mean, I was saying eight because I was I knew you wanted to see me as soon as I got off of work. But if I could get an extra hour bumper, then yeah, that's like way easier for me to do. Okay, great. That works for me too. Sweet. Easy. (laughs) (laughs) I really feel like we're in a relationship. I know we did a good job. Like, are we both actors? Like, this is impressive. I okay. So let's do the disclaimer number two. This is what happens when two coaches uh, talk about this kind of stuff. I was trying to be a little bit more combative 
<laughs> than than I would normally be. Like normally you would tell me once and I'd be like, oh babe, my God, I'm so I'm sorry I really regret my behavior. I totally didn't see it that way. I could see how that would be like X, Y, and Z and A, B, C. And I'd go kind of like deep into that, but most people aren't like that. So it's true. <laughs> disclaimer, two coaches talking about boundaries. Your uh, mileage may vary uh, mm-hmm. when you have these conversations. Okay, so what was important there, I think, is something along the lines of like, hey, babe, when you show up late, I get angry. Mm-hmm. I start making up stories that, you know, you don't want to be here. I get fucking grumpy and I don't want to be grumpy. And it's important for me that you do what you say you're going to do. And if you're going to be late, just send me a text. And if eight is always pushing it for you, let's just do nine. It's all good. I just want you to show up consistently for me in a way like when you say nine, I want it to be nine. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what I heard, right? Right. But in a really like, you know, obviously softer and longer. Yes. (laughs) But basically the boundary is that like, you know, when you do this, I feel like this. And would you be willing to? Mm-hmm. Right. That's sort of like the NVC script, right? Right. When you show up late without calling me, I feel angry. And I feel a lack of disrespect. And that, that affects my ability to show up for you the way I want to be, which is light and playful and loving. Mm-hmm. And so would you be willing to make more of an effort to show up at the time that you say you're going to show up or to let me know as early, as soon as you know that you're going to be late. Yes. That's quarter of the, the four. That's like the NVC format, basically. Mm-hmm. Yes. When you do this, I feel this. It affects my ability to this. And uh, are you willing to? Which is different than you're always fucking late. Mm-hmm. And if you don't start showing up, it's over. Right. That's different. Different. Yep. Whole different. Not as effective. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so so now we have the boundary. Mm-hmm. We know what the boundary looks like. Okay, I'm still fucking late. I did it again. Okay. This is the third time that I've done it again, even though at those time I had great reasons to do it. You didn't care, but <laughs> I had great reasons. I still didn't let you know that I was going to be late because <laughs> I got pulled into a fucking meeting. Okay, so right. we're I showed up. I'm an hour late again. Mm. Sean, this really doesn't work for me for you to be late in our time together. John pulled me into a meeting. You know that. I do. I do know that that was out of your control. And this pattern, like we've talked about it already, and it still hasn't shifted. So I'm curious, what is in the way for you? This job? Like this, you know, like I'm working hard to build us this thing. And sometimes I get pulled into fucking meetings at the last minute and I don't have time to fire off a text. Hmm. Okay. Um, would it be more workable if we just picked a different day of the week to do our date night? Well, this, I mean, you know, it's a startup. I'm working in seven days. So I'm, okay. I'm not like not going to be working, you know? So is there any time in the week that you are comfortable carving out to be our like special date time that is like unmovable? Yeah. You know, we got CrossFit Sunday, but... That's you said that you wanted more than that. So that's why we have these other dates. Right. And is there another pocket that we can kind of carve out like the CrossFit Sunday? No. 
I mean, nothing that I can, that's like obvious. You know how hard I work, babe. I do. And I love how hard you work. And I really love how much you're pouring yourself into building this dream for the two of us. That really means a lot to me. It really does. And for me to really feel safe and secure in wanting to stay and co-create with you, these dates are really important because it gives us time to connect And if we don't have time to connect with each other, I don't really know what we're doing here. Mm. And I really want to be here with you. Mm. I really do. And we're not essentially pouring enough high quality gas into the tank of our relationship in order to make the journey. Right. And so like there has to be some give and take here. And, Honestly, like, I don't want to leave the relationship. That is not what this is about. But if you don't have the energy to pour into the relationship, the high quality gas that it needs, like, I can't carry the relationship on my own. So what are you saying? I'm saying it would be really lovely if we could carve out you know, one more you know, specific date night for like three hours that we can just dig in and talk and connect so that you have all of the rest of the space for the week to create your business and what you're up to. And that will help me really feel connected and supported and be able to really hold down the fort while you go out and create in the world. Is that something that you'd be willing or able to do? Yep. Okay. What day of the week would work for you? Or would you like to like at the start of every week, kind of scan the week ahead and see where the pocket might be? Yeah, no, Thursdays are fine. Okay, great. Let's do Thursday. All right. And can we, like, give up consequence for my late behavior? Um, yeah. If, <laughs> you know, it would, like, obviously this is a pattern for, you know, you showing up late. And if you continue to show up late, I'm going to, you know, fill that time with other commitments. And I'm going to start prioritizing other relationships. And most likely that'll be like, you know, a class, a dance class with myself and my girlfriends, because I can't keep waiting around for you. And I'd really like to be able to be spending this time with you. But if this consistently continues to happen, I'm going to have to go in this other direction and, you know, fill that pocket with something else that nourishes me and, you know, we will have to see where we go from that point. Mm. Well, you said this was important to you. You said that you needed that extra, that extra date so that you could, I could give you high quality juice. Of course. But if you're not showing up <laughs> for the high quality juice, um, it's not happening. Yeah. But I'm, I'm building this thing for us, babe. I know you're building this thing for us, but the relationship is the thing that exists in the present moment. And I need to know that that matters. Okay. And scene. And scene. <laughs> so thank you so much for that. My God. Um, yeah. It's, you know, the, the thing with the consequences is really hard to not look at exiting the relationship as a consequence. Sure. That seems to be like the easiest one. Mm-hmm. That's like the most obvious one. And yeah. I don't want to make it sound like, when you put up a consequence, you're talking about leaving the relationship. No, no. But that is one option. It is. Especially if in the relationship, there isn't any pockets for you to be 
connecting. Yeah. Like, like having dated entrepreneurs before, <laughs> like that scenario is very familiar. Yeah. And what I've come to realize is that there is sometimes a phase of time where the devotion has to be at building the, the business. Mm. And there isn't a lot of availability for a high quality relationship. Yeah. And so my personal standard would be to remove myself out of that dynamic until there was more space for, you know, a relationship to actually bloom and thrive. Yeah. And that's just my personal standard. I mean, I did have a former partner who, you know, there was issues of time and, you know, he would be late for things that we would have to go do with other people. So like, let's say there was an event happening and he would be late to pick me up to go to the event. So the boundary consequence that we came up with was if you're not here 15 minutes before the thing starts, I'm going to leave my house and I'll meet you there. Yep. And so it wasn't like, I don't want to do this with you and I'm, I'm out of this relationship. It was just like, Hey, if you're not here by the time that we agreed, I'm going to get in my own car and get myself there on time. Yep. And you can meet me there. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. Or we're going to order without you. Yeah. And then you exactly. show up and you're like, dude, you guys are fucking eating. You're like, yeah, we, we told you. Mm-hmm. You're always late. So we don't feel like waiting anymore. We're just going to order without you. You can order and we might be done before you get your food, but you know, whatever. <laughs> so there, there are, so I think it's important for us to, to like find some consequences that aren't exiting the relationship. Totally. Um, because that's the one that I kind of go to first. Mm-hmm. And I guess I'll, I'll share a big, big, it, it's, uh, is this a boundary consequence? I, I'll share, I'll share a story and then we can kind of like break it down. But basically my partner was in an open relationship when we met. Right. And at some point in our relationship, uh, they had transitioned out of a relationship. And at some point she said something like, I'm, super in love with you talking about me and I'm ready to like take our relationship to the next level. Mm-hmm. And I'm also want to still want to be in a relationship with my ex. Right. And I was like, Oh, this is like, so not what I wanted to hear. This is mm-hmm. not, what, <laughs> this is not what I wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I took, I took a couple of days to reflect on this because you, you know, you need time to like figure out what's going on. Right. And I realized that I couldn't, feel safe. I couldn't continue to open my heart to her if she was in a relationship with her ex. Mm -hmm. And so I said, you know, babe, I love you. I am like mad for you. I would do almost anything to be with you. And if you want to be in a relationship with your ex, I want you to do that. Like Mm -hmm. I support you. I want you to be happy. And, and if you do that, I'm going to remove myself from this relationship. Yeah. And she was like, Oh damn. Okay shit. Um, and then she took a few days to figure out what she wanted. And ultimately, long story short, we're still together. So you know which way she went. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> but there was no middle ground for me there. Right. There was no like, well, you know, you can, you can explore that relationship as long as I'm your primary partner, or as long as I have veto power, or as long as whatever, all these agreements, like I just said, like, hey, if you want to do that, that's cool. Do that. I'm going to take care of myself, remove myself from the situation. And I want to highlight that because uh, some people might say that sounds a little bit like an ultimatum. 
but it's not. No. It's, it's a, the boundary is if you want to be in a relationship with me, it has to only be me. Mm-hmm. And the consequence is that if you want to be in a relationship with somebody else, I'm going to remove myself from this. Absolutely. The, the ultimatum is like, if you are in a relationship with her, I'm fucking out of here. Mm-hmm. Or if you do this, I'm out of here. For sure. It's, it has a sort of a similar outcome. It's a similar outcome, but very different energy. Like the way that you first positioned it comes from a place of deep rooted self-respect. Yeah. And love for her. And love for her. And like actually honoring her free will and honoring what her heart and her soul needs to experience. Yep. The second one is coming from a more manipulative stance of trying to control or manipulate an outcome. Power play. Power play. Exactly. And I find with a lot of ultimatums, there can also be this energy of not actually following through on the consequence, which is why it's an ultimatum. Right. <laughs> Whereas the boundary consequence, like, I'm actually going to follow through on this. Yep. Like, if that's what you choose, then this is where I'm going. Yeah. And I have the self-worth and, you know, the capacity to back up what I am letting you know does or does not work for me. Yeah. And I think that is a really important distinction and one that I wish that the 20-year-old version of me understood. Yeah. (laughs) Because I was definitely the queen of ultimatums and, like, empty threats. And, like, it just – it never worked out the way that I wanted it to because I was trying to do the power play. Yeah. And, you know, since maturing and – Going through the ringer of emotional experiences, there's been a, a refinement there. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you you wanted what you wanted, and you were willing to throw an ultimatum down to get that mm-hmm. thing. And if they didn't comply, while well, you still you'd kind of fold, sure, because yeah. you still wanted the thing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that would be like me saying, you know, if you want to be in a relationship with her, I'm out of here. And then she's like. You know, she's like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to be in a relationship with her. And then I'm like, well, you know, I guess I'll still, be I guess I'll still stay. I guess I'll stick yeah. around. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'll, you know, I'll figure out a way around this thing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, yeah, I think it's really important. Like what happens to a relationship when you don't honor your boundary consequence? It gets really gnarly, like really gnarly. And at like the baseline, like there's a huge disconnect that happens because if you don't honor your boundary consequence, you're training yourself that a, your boundaries don't matter and that your needs don't matter. And you're also breaking trust with yourself. So then that's why it becomes so wobbly because you're learning that you can't trust yourself. They're learning that (laughs) they don't have to trust your word either. And so that's where it can get really, really gnarly, really fast Mm. because there, there is no clean connection there anymore. You're already fractured off from yourself. And if you're fractured off from yourself in that really big way, there's no way that you can be deeply and devotedly connected with your partner. And that's why this work is so important because it does deepen connection. It deepens intimacy if it's done from this very rooted place of self-respect, self-honoring, and respect of the other person and honoring of the other person. Yeah. 
because that's where it has to come from. It has to come from this really pure place of like, I do love you and I want the best for you. Even if the best means not me. Means letting you go. Exactly. Because I'm important. Mm-hmm. I'm important and my safety is important. Absolutely. I, I wouldn't have been able to continue exploring intimacy, emotional intimacy and depth mm-hmm. if, uh, if my boundary hadn't been honored. Absolutely. Yeah. And that takes knowing yourself too. You know, I think of myself when I was 20, I'm like, I didn't know myself <laughs> <laughs> I thought I did, um, but I, I didn't know myself to the degree I do now. Yeah. And the depth of my intimacy with myself has really helped inform how I do relationship with other people. Um, so part of it is this natural process of growing up and growing into myself and meeting those places that I just didn't even know existed before. And that's a big part of it. And then also having the practical language around it is really helpful. Yeah. I get the impression that this can lead to a more secure attachment. I would say so. If you have anxious attachment syndrome, (laughs) AAS, (laughs) uh, this this can help because you're saying, no, I matter. What, What I want matters. And if you're not willing to give it to me, it's okay. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to take care of myself. And I, I also want to highlight, this is incredibly hard to do. It is. Like when I, when I set the boundary, I pre-grieved the relationship, the, the end of the relationship. I thought it was over yeah. and pre-grieved it before I even did it. Mm-hmm. So it's hard, hard, hard stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's also worth doing because uh, ultimately you get to carve out the kind of relationship that you want. Exactly. Uh, there's also this idea that like you do have to have some faith that you are going to get what you want mm-hmm. and that you live in a world in which you can have the kind of relationship, love life, life, business, whatever that you deserve and want. You can have that. You have to have faith that you're going to have that, even if you have to say no to what might possibly be the most amazing person or situation or opportunity, knowing that there's more to, to back that up. Mm-hmm. That's, that's such a huge piece. That's hard. A lot of people don't have that faith. No, they don't. And for me, that faith was built in the micro moments of trusting myself and in listening to my intuition and acting on it and, you know, following through on things that I said that I was going to do. Like all of those things played a part in building up that faith tank. And, you know, my spiritual practice has a big part to do with that as Mm. well. Yeah. Because there is this part of me that just inherently believes this or something better. Ooh, I say that all the time about relationships. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Past relationships should be as good as yeah. or better. That's yeah. a, this or something better. I like that. And, you know, if it's not this person, like there's someone else out there who is more attuned, more equipped, or better suited for me. More aligned. More aligned for me. Yeah. Which also means that there's someone more aligned for them. Yeah. And if I'm truly devoted to true love, that's actually what I want for both of us. If it's not us together, I want my 
partner or soon to be ex-partner or whatever it would be to be loved in the way that makes sense to them to be loved. Yeah. You know, and going back to your former partner, the one who was, you know, late all the time, like, you know, perhaps she'll align with someone who like that just doesn't bug them. Yeah. You know, and that flow will just, there will be a little bit more ease there. Yeah. You know, and so there's a lot of pieces to this, but like that rootedness of this or something better. Yeah. And it's okay to say goodbye. And I think in our culture, like we have a huge issue with grief Hmm. and people avoid grieving because, I mean, they're avoiding feeling (laughs) on many levels. Um, And so if we don't know how to grieve, it's very difficult to be able to really root in setting that boundary and backing it up. Because on some level, we, we have to know that if they don't meet us, that that relationship might have to end and we will have to grieve and that will be okay. Mm -hmm. And as we grieve through that, it opens up the portal. It opens up space for someone more aligned to come into the mix. Amen. Yeah. Amen. (laughs) I was just going to say, and that's why I loved that you pre grieved the relationship before having this conversation with your current partner. Yeah. Because it allowed you, allowed you to connect to reality like the reality is she might choose out of her own free will that that doesn't work for her. Yep. But she also might choose that it does work for her. Yep. So you have to hold both yep. <laughs> these realities at the same time, That's which right. is difficult. It's really difficult. Dialectics, my friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dialect it's like the the, you know, concept that bo- both and Yes, exactly. And she she can both uh, want to explore a relationship with her ex and want to be deeply committed to me. Mm-hmm. And I can both grieve the the end of this relationship and still really want it to work out. Absolutely. Yeah, th- this is this is where the richness happens. Yeah. My therapist, ex ex therapist, now, mm-hmm. Doctor Jay Talkoff. Um, love that man. Great, great, great great man helped me get sober mm-hmm. said having multiple competing emotions about any one person place or thing or situation is a sign of emotional maturity mm, i love that listeners listen to this again having <laughs> multiple competing emotions about any one thing is a sign of emotional maturity Mm-hmm. So if you are confused about something and feel different things about somebody, good. That's a good thing. It's confusing. It's hard. Yeah. But you have multiple competing emotions living inside of you. It's beautiful. It's very complex. Mm-hmm. It is. It's super confusing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it definitely is. I mean, I've kind of been in the thick of that the last few months going through a breakup of like, the grief of that, but also at the exact same time, feeling expansion, joy, possibility, excitement, and then disgust comes in and fear comes in and anger comes in and they're all dancing. It's like they're having this big mixer inside of my body (laughs) and they're all happening at the same time. And it's been a really interesting thing to observe and experience in my body. Yeah. Beautiful. It's all happening. <laughs> that's that's one of the things I teach in the emotional availability course. Mm. This concept of being tuned into your emotional landscape. 
and showing up for it, just being there for the messiness of emotions. I said something yesterday on Instagram, the fact that I'm moody and I'm okay with it. And mm-hmm. a lot of people were like, thank God. Thank God you, <laughs> like, thank you for normalizing the fact mm-hmm. that you're moody and that it's okay. Yeah. And I just want to take this opportunity to say, yeah, of course it's okay. Like we are, we're humans. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be at the mercy of my emotions, but I want to be there for them. Of course. What are they trying to teach me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for me, like a lifetime of like shutting down my emotions and like being able to contrast that with the last, you know, 15 years of my life. And a big part of that was going off the pill, leaving a relationship that I had outgrown, moving to a city that I felt intuitively pulled to. Like all of that helped to start opening the emotional interior. And you know, that richness that is my life now, I wouldn't trade that for anything. Mm. And that requires me feeling deeply. Like I'm a feeler. (laughs) I feel things so deeply. And I will often have like very deep, like almost like soul hurling cries that will happen. And then this like expansive richness clarity that comes after that. And I used to really hate that part of myself. I'm like, oh, you're so emotional. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I would make it wrong. And since stepping onto this path 15 years ago, like it's become more normalized in my body. Like, and I have to normalize that. I have to normalize the fact that I'm a very emotional person. And I love that about myself Mm. because the depths to which I can meet myself have now informed the work that I do. And I can now hold a very sacred and deep container with, you know, six women at a time and all of their emotional landscapes, you know, there's safety inside of that. I can hold it Hmm. because I've met that depth within myself and there's like so much magic inside of that. So every time one of those ugly cries comes, I'm like, bring it. Let's do it. Where are all my tissues? Like where are my pillows and all the comforting like blankets and stuff? Like, let's do it. Let's move it. Let's put an extra sad song on. Which one's going to make it like, you know, stir it up even more. And yep. Yep. Yeah. I like, I like to do the similar thing. (laughs) Yeah. P.S. I love you is playing in the background. That one always gets me. If I am like emotionally constipated, I will put on that movie and it'll clear me right out. Is Paul Rudd in there? No, it's the, oh, it was like the Irish guy and he dies. No. I, I'm looking at oh, that. frick. Okay. <laughs> I can't remember his name. He played an Irish character. I don't think he's Irish in real life. Uh, Hillary Swank, Gerard Butler, Lisa yes. Kudrow. Hey, all right. H- yeah, yeah. Harry Connick Jr.? My God. Yeah. <laughs> what an all-star. All right, everybody. P.S. I love you. You can watch it on YouTube. Yep, yep. It's the one that gets all of the emotional debris moving for me. Wow, it got... 25% on Rotten Tomatoes. That is a very, <laughs> very, very low score. <laughs> I, I was watching it more for the emotional activation. Well, you know, anything. the uh, audience score is 80, which is, you know, that's pretty high. Okay. Well, <laughs> I like to go by the audience scores most of the time. That's probably a wise thing to do. The critic score is, is you know, I'm not a film critic. I 
I'm a pretty basic movie watcher. So me too. <laughs> like if it makes me feel something, I'm probably gonna like it. Yeah. And if it doesn't make me feel something, I'm probably not gonna like it. Did we miss anything here on the boundary consequences? Hmm. Maybe we can talk a little bit about some examples of consequences that aren't leaving the relationship. I really am a big fan of let's you know find another time that actually really works for the two of us to do whatever it is that we're wanting to do. We could also use other examples. Yeah, let's do, use another example. Let's let's try to brainstorm a bunch of different consequences for a bunch of different examples. Okay. Um, so. Uh, if it's, um, you know, you following hot dudes on Instagram mm -hmm. and that really bothers me, um, and I've done the work around why it bothers me and, uh, it's not something that I'm here for that. I'm, I'm just like, I'm not into it. It, it, you know, feeds my insecurities and the stories that, mm -hmm. that you don't find me attractive. Gosh, what would be a consequence for that? I'm like, oh, I'm going to unfollow you from social media. But that's not <laughs> I mean, you could. You could you can, unfollow. But, yeah, but that's not a good consequence. No. <laughs> because they're still following those people and it'll still be in the back of your mind. But then that kind of feels like like a little controlling. I mean, that's the thing. Like these, it's It's tricky because, again, I think if it's coming from the other person's own free will, like for me... If I was in a relationship with you and you said, hey, that really bugs me, that really makes me feel uncomfortable, I'd be like, okay, like, <laughs> I don't know these people. I don't need to follow them right. unless it's, you know, a creator. And like, it's hard for me to kind of get that world because I don't follow people like that. <laughs> yeah, me neither. But it's a thing that dudes do. Yeah. And like, so it's, it's a tricky, tricky one for me because like, the reason I use my social media is for learning and for connecting with, you know, amazing friends like you, like people who are doing cool shit in the world. Mine's like almost strictly for business. I'm calling it like it is. <laughs> it's a business tool. Yeah. And, and it really is, but not for everybody. Like yeah. for a lot of people, it's an entertainment tool. Yeah. Or a, an escape. Mm -hmm. And Absolutely. checking out hotties on, on Instagram is a way to escape. Yeah. And I know for me, like in like two relationships ago, like there was a lot of infidelity in that relationship. And so those types of things just set me right off. Yeah. Like, because I'm like, I can't and I won't go back to that dynamic where I'm not being cherished in the relationship. And it really comes down to like, if that's what really feeds you and if that's, you know, what your heart desires, then I want you to have that. Yeah. But I'm not going to be able to engage in the relationship. Like, and I have to take a look at what part of me is wanting to, you know, essentially change the core of who this person is in order to get them to be what I need them to be. Yeah. Instead of just letting them be and going and finding another partner who already knows this. Yeah who already knows how to create safe space, not only in the relationship, but on platforms like social media. Yeah. Like there is a degree of maturity and reverence and, you know, I think connection to self too that plays a part in it. It's not so much like, you know, why are you doing that? It's more like, why am I like involved with a relationship where this is the dynamic mm. and what, 
what do I either need to heal within myself or do I need to remove myself out of a relationship that could really be harmful for me and my emotional well-being? Yeah. I feel the same way. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. People that are, you know, committed to self-growth and have high standards for the kinds of relationships that they want. I know. I know. Yeah. Because that just would be a no-fly zone for me. Yeah. And it would honestly be something that I would suss out before I would even get into a relationship with someone. Uh, that's hard to do. What do you mean it's hard to do? Oh, is it? Well, I guess you can look at who they're following. Yeah. Okay. And see. I guess it's I mean, not that hard to do. It's not that hard to do. And, you know, and see, like, get a, like, a general view of, like, okay, this is, like, kind of what they're about. Yeah. Like, who someone's following tells you a lot about what they value. That's interesting. This is interesting. Yeah. That I like, I would never have considered, you know, looking at who somebody's following. Yeah. My, my girlfriend's following like 14 people. She's like, the, <laughs> she's not a social media person. Mm -hmm. And if she looked at my account, she, she would find that, you know, I'm not following a lot of people either. Mm -hmm. I have, I'm following 257 people. Yeah. And some of them are, are good looking people, but they're all, you know, professionals in my space or friends. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And for me, like I can always kind of feel the energy signature around it. Like if I were to see like all of these people in the same industry, that would make sense to me. Yeah. I'm like, all right. Yep. Go for it. Or a bunch of <laughs> models, young models. Yeah. And like, if maybe if you were a model, I don't know, but like at least for like where I am in my life and like my industry, like that that just wouldn't align for me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we don't have to do that. Okay. We don't have to come up with a whole bunch of boundary consequences uh, that are inauthentic for us because we've already come up with a couple, right? Um, yeah. Get creative, go to the movies anyways, go have dinner anyways, stop making plans, make plans with other people. Um, yeah. Okay. Is there anything that we missed that we should touch on or do you feel complete? I think the, the only thing that would be important to touch on is, you know, if you're in a relationship and you love this person, like you do want to find a way through to work it out at first. Like jumping ship is kind of the last resort. Yes. Leaving the you. relationship is the last resort. Absolutely. Like let's actually flush it through yeah. and get into the nuance of why this triggers you. Like how can I support you better and what the other person's triggers are and what you can do to support them. Like, like leaving the relationship is really the last thing yeah. to do. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Yeah, that is huge. And I say that mm -hmm. often. This is the last resort. There's so many other options. Yes. You know, like you yeah. can compromise, you can negotiate, you can find something that works, you can go to couples counseling, you could fucking journal it out, you can get curious, you could practice meditation around your non-attachment of their behavior that bugs you. You can heal the parts of yourself that are triggered. You can go to therapy on your own because of how their behavior affects you. There's so many things that you can do before you just peace out. And sometimes you just got to peace out. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the thing is so egregious to you that you're just not there for it. Yeah. And so you don't need to do all those other things that we just talked about. You could just fucking leave. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to trust that 
if you're listening, you know, you have the wisdom, the, in, the, you know, the intuition to figure out what is right for you. Are you with a good person that is loving, caring, and kind, but that mm-hmm. acts in sometimes in some ways that fucking piss you off? Or are they not a good person? Are they like really not in service of your development? Yeah. I hope you can make the difference. You can, you can make the difference between those two. And I mean, your work and my work and, you know, all of the people that we have in our little vortex business bubble here that can support people in developing that strength, that muscle to trust themselves, to trust that intuition, you know, and that's true. there's a lot of tools out there. If it does feel like something that's a little wobbly, like we can develop that capacity to trust ourselves more fully so that we know that distinction in the body, at least for me, like, as a woman in this lifetime, like I feel that distinction in my body. Yeah. When something is like a very clear no, like we've gone as far as we can go, like it's just unmovable. Yeah. I can do all the mental gymnastics I want, yeah. but that truth doesn't change. Yep. Yeah. And I had to, you know, explore myself and learn those cues in my body to be able to have that discernment, which is you know, the discernment I used to complete my last relationship. It was just a very clear, no, we've gone as far as we can go here. Beautiful segue to, do you have any services that might help this? Yeah, my year of love mastery. It's a very small container. I only take six women at a time. And we get into the nuances of what might be blocking the capacity to trust ourselves. Mm And we look at all of the overfunctioning and the uh, codependent patterns that are often at play. Like that's usually the type of woman that I will work with is the high functioning, overfunctioning codependent woman who is crushing it in every area of life, but her love life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and we go into those really tender, soft spaces gently because it's a year long program. So we gently open up into that world of connecting to self and being held in community. So I really, like, I see the value in learning on your own, but I also am a huge proponent of learning in community or being supported in community because we do need each other. And to be able to kind of walk that line of like, is this a time where I have to go inward and it's just me? Or is this the time where I need to be held and supported by people who really have my best interests at heart. Mm. So that's uh, the recoding that we'll do in that program. It's one of my favorite things to do. Um, And I have a new one, a new group that's starting in October. Hey, what timing. I know. (laughs) Perfect. And how can people find you? Instagram is the best place to find me. So radical self-love. Not TikTok. Mm, I mean, I'm not going to be that active on TikTok. (laughs) Yet. <laughs> Yet. Yes. Maybe once, I feel like because, you know, with everything that's been going on emotionally with the breakup and I just didn't have the capacity, I had to stop doing my self-love service. I stopped creating on TikTok and like Instagram was the only place where I would come to share, you know, my musings, my devotion, my insight. And so now I feel like I have a little more capacity. So maybe, maybe I will. Find you on Instagram. What does love mean to you? Hmm. Love to me means being able to witness and hold all of it, 
So holding the shadow and the crunchy bits with just as much reverence and devotion as we hold the parts of us that are easy to love and the parts in others that are easy to love. So it's being able to hold all of it with respect and reverence. Yes, girl. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time Uh, and your wisdom and your beauty and your playfulness and your boundary consequences. Mm, Thank you for having me. Such an honor. Thank you for spending this time with Kelsey and me. It means a lot to me. I love that you choose to spend time listening to these conversations. That's amazing. And just an update, don't know why, but I feel like letting you know that this podcast has been downloaded over 300,000 times. That's cool. That is cool. It's like more than a lot and less than some. And I'm proud of this podcast. I am. I'm proud of the podcast. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here and for listening and for tuning in and for engaging with this content in whatever way you do. And more importantly, thank you for like taking what you learn here and applying it to your relationships and to your life. That's the whole goal. Thanks. Have a beautiful week.